fell asleep around making. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rooftop Podcast, where we talk about the issues of leadership uh, and the challenges that we're facing as leaders that are most important to you at a community level. And I have to say today that I am most excited about this interview. I'm, I've been looking forward to this interview for a really, really long time. Um, a lot of you know that uh, I have just a deep, deep passion for understanding human dynamics and human nature. Uh, that comes from my time as a Green Beret. It comes from my time as seeing uh, a lot of challenge in the world uh, evolve from humans who just don't have a sense of their own nature, who don't have a sense of themselves. And you know, I've long been a proponent for the fact that we need to, you know, if you see this iceberg behind me here, and that iceberg is human nature, we need to get below the waterline and learn more about our human nature, that, that, that 80 to 90% of our humanity that we don't pay attention to. And um, the reason I'm so excited is because this gentleman that I'm about to introduce, I believe, has done more work to illuminate that reality. And man, I would have given anything to have been his colleague 10, 15 years ago when we were trying to sort out these very, very thorny problems in, in Afghanistan. But uh, I am um, honored enough to stand at his shoulder now and uh, host him on our rooftop podcast. And he is the founder uh, and the author of The Human Givens and the founder of the, uh, the Human Givens Institute, or co-founder, I should say, uh, Ivan Tyrrell. And uh, Ivan, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, and thank you for asking me. Yeah, for sure. Can you just tell us, just uh, before we jump into The Human Givens, um, tell us just a little bit about yourself, Ivan, uh, kind of your journey to, to get where you are right now, what led you here, and then we'll jump right into the, the human givens uh, once you do that. What led me here? Gosh, well, I've written my memoirs. So <laughs> um, uh, it, what, what brought me here is, I suppose, an interest in uh, challenging uh, conventional wisdom a lot of the time. I mean, when I was a little boy, I was on a farm and all the adults had gone inside for a drink and I had myself lying down on a, a bridge, a slatted bridge, and as I was doing that, the sun was shining. It was a wonderful little boy moment, you know. And I, I looked down at, at the water and a snake swam across. And of course, I was very excited. I was only about seven or eight. And I shouted and screamed, snake, snake. And all the adults came out, but they didn't believe me. And I knew I'd seen it. So I, I, that, that was a kind of uh, an idea that popped into my head. And years and years later, 40 years later, my father saw a snake swimming on a documentary program and he phoned me up and apologized. He said, they do, don't they? And I said, they, they, they really swim. And I said, yes. But it was, it was incidents like that when I was small that made me question things, if you like, and question orthodox views. And I suppose I've done that all my life to some degree. And then I was lucky enough to meet a, a chap called Idris Shah, who also said things like, um, we all need a bit of attention. It's a need. We have a need of attention. We don't need that much attention, but we need a little bit every day. Otherwise, we 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 fester. You know, we go things go wrong for us. And I learned an enormous amount about psychology from him. Got interested in it. And um, then there was a big crash and financial crash uh in what was it 89 or i think it was something like that and, and i had a business then and i was losing clients so fast i had to close the business i didn't go bankrupt or anything but i was just having to get rid of all my staff and so on and um 
I got interested in psychology and my wife at the time said, well, why don't you study psychology and psychotherapy and write books? Because I'd written one book for Jonathan Cape and uh, which funnily enough was about civil defense, but I'd just done that in my spare time. And, um, and it, it's all very well. So I decided I would do that. And that really eventually led to me meeting Joe Griffin, the psychologist, and we started talking about how bad most psychotherapy and counseling was. It just didn't work very well. And that, that yet yeah, there must be some basic laws that we can look at and, dis and not discover exactly, but reveal that um, we could go, uh, we could do something about this. And I remember there was one occasion where we were trying to persuade some people about um, what actually you need to do if you're going to improve psychology, psychotherapy, I should say, psychotherapy and counselling. And that is, um, uh, Joe started hammering the table, just, they just weren't hearing us. And he said, look, it's a given that people need attention. It's a given that people need to be connected to the community. It's a given that people need meaning in their life. He was, he was sort of getting quite animated about this. So that's why I said afterwards when we got out into the street, look, why don't we just call it the human givens? Wow. And, and, and um, that's how that started. And it's based wow. on this basic law, Scott, which is, can I squeeze Scott or David? Uh, Scott's fine. Yeah, thank Scott's you. Scott's fine. You, yeah. Scott is... Um, the, the basic law is that all living things, it doesn't matter what type of living thing, it can be a flower, it can be a bird, it can be a lizard, it can be an ape or a human being, of course, um, has, uh, has to take in nutriment, has to take in nutriment to rebuild and maintain itself. Otherwise, we, we just fade away and we wouldn't be here. So that it's, it's kind of going against the second law of thermodynamics where everything um, is fading away all the time, is destroying itself. But to maintain ourselves, we have to take in nutriment. And human beings need obviously physical nutriment, food, air, water, and all that. But we also need emotional nutriment more than any other animal, uh, much more. And, it, and we realize that when people get distressed, when they get anxious, angry, depressed, or seek addictive substances or behaviors, um, it's always because they're not getting these nutrients into them. They're, and these nutrients kind of break down to about nine, really. And, and, um, and the, the subtleties and nuances in them. And that, that really is the essence of what we're talking about. If, you, if somebody comes to you and they're suicidal or depressed and so on, there's something stopping them um, from getting their innate needs met. And that can be can be trauma, which I know you're interested in, PTSD. Right. Um, but it, it, it can also just feeling insecure, um, having no volition, no autonomy, because that is right. another innate need. We need to feel that, you know, we're getting our needs met um, and that we have some part in that. Can you um, talk a little bit about, Ivan, about some of the, the human given, like, I, I don't know if you would mind doing that, but just at a high level, can you, can you spell out some of the human givens for us? Because I think as people listen to this, it's so, the first time I read it, it was such a, I mean, it was so, it was so clear and it may, it was so basic, but yet um, it's, yes, it's yeah. you know, we don't, we don't really, we don't hear this enough. And I'm just wondering, would you mind speaking to the, to the, to the specific human givens a little bit and, and, and what they okay. are? 
All right, then. Well, let's begin with um, security. I mean, every baby comes into the world totally dependent on its main caregiver, its mother initially. And uh, that's it gets that feeling of security from uh, being cuddled and being kept warm, being fed, being looked after, uh, being comforted when there are loud noises that it doesn't know what they are and all, the, all that kind of stuff. It feels secure. Now, we need to feel the degree of security throughout our lives. You know, I mean, right. if there was gunfight going off outside your office, for example, you wouldn't feel particularly secure. You may be a green beret and you might know what to do, but... It, it, it would undermine your um, sense of security for for yourself and those you love. You see, so um, we ha we have this need for a degree of security. We couldn't get all our other needs met if we felt insecure all the time. But the, you know, you you also have to remember that you shouldn't be so tender that uh, that you won't take any risks we all need to take risks you can't learn anything you can't achieve anything without taking risks so a degree of risk taking is important so just because we need to be secure we should also uh, acknowledge that we need a certain degree of risk in our lives you know we need to take risks starting a new business is a risk for example a new relationship is a risk um and, and so on um, so, so that's one. That's the security. Well, uh, moving on, we could talk about volition. The fact we need uh, to feel we're autonomous creatures, you know, um, and that, that we're getting some sort of feedback from the universe that we exist because of that um, feeling of uh, autonomy, and and that's very important. You know, we're not we're not just um, one cog in a vast machine. We right. are an autonomous individual, as well as being part of society. But we do need we do need to recognise that we're individuals, and um, the but the problem with that, of course, is some people want so much control they become control freaks, and they drain right. the energy away from all the people around them. So they're a right pain. Thankfully, uh, that's not happening over here. Thankfully, there's none of that going on in our country, right? Uh, no control freakery. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I mean, the uh, ironical humor and, and, and so on, of course, this is an example that your right hemisphere is working, Scott. <laughs> uh, thank you. Glad to, I'm glad the right hemisphere is still kicking. People who don't understand that sort of thing uh, and take it too literally are very yeah. left-brained. And of course, it's the left-brained people that are causing all the problems. Because they are the control freaks. They do want to uh, grab and to control and be in charge and um, boss everybody else around. And, they, and, and too much of that left brain behavior is what's causing all the problems in the world at the moment. You know? right. and, and, and they're made um, computers have really aided left brain types uh, enormously to attempt to rule everybody else and, and rule the roost and it's a real problem for the world yeah so there's another another need we all need a certain degree but not too much we all need a bit of status we need some recognition for the jobs we do and for yeah. the, the way we behave and so on in, in the community and again that has a negative as well because some people can become delusional about their status, you know. They sure can. 
um, you know, people who say, don't you know who I am? Where they're <laughs> and they're going through like the airline ticket counters or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, Ivan, this is where you and I cross a lot of paths here. You know, I, I taught and led a lot of efforts around tribal dynamics uh, yeah. in Afghanistan. And one of the areas that I put a lot of focus into, because Afghanistan, you know, has one of the largest tribes in the world, which is the Pashtun tribe. Yeah. And in order to work in these communities and really understand them for 10 years, we did not we did not acknowledge the role that status plays in a, in a society, you know, and uh, a, a, a book, Rule of the Clan" by Dr. Mark Weiner talked about Henry Maine's breakdown of contract society and status society. And I talked to John Bell about this, but status society uh, is where we all come from, you know, yeah, and our yeah. ability to, to, to maintain our status in the, in the context of those around us yeah. is, is a primal driver, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And it's not just a male thing. People think it's a male thing, but I mean, right. women have status uh, needs as well, but their status tends to be more relationship organized, uh, okay. uh, based. So yeah. they would be, for example, uh, that any gossip that they knew, that would give them high status, you know, and, and, and the more relationships and friends they have with other women, that would give them higher status and so on. Um, so, uh, yeah, status is something all all human beings. In fact, Jordan Peterson talks about status going right the way back to the origin of lobsters. <laughs> the, lob right. the largest lobster had the highest status, so it's, and that goes back 500 million years, I think. So, status is important, but if again any one of these needs, if it's exaggerated in its need and people become needy for it, can can become a problem, and that there uh, the delusional status you know don't you know who i am syndrome is um is a problem can you talk one let's let's take on one more and and for anybody that if you if you haven't gone to the human givens institute you you definitely have to check that out because the, the what you all have done there and the way you've broken this down and the way you've made it so accessible ivan um, to you know, any leader uh, out there is amazing. There is one more given I would like to hear you talk about, um, and then maybe we, at some point, I'd love to have you back on and we can hit some more. But can you talk a little bit about meaning? Uh, meaning because I, I feel like it's so critical these days. Well, there's, I'll just quickly list the others. Um, the attention exchange is vital. Um, and, and that's obviously connected. They're all interconnected, you see. They're all interconnected. Yes. Um, uh, emotional connection to other people, to the community and to friends and relatives is very important. Uh, but we also need a certain degree of privacy. You need, you need time to sort of reflect and think um, right. and so on. So that's important. But another important need before we get to meaning is a sense of competence. People need to feel that they can do things that they, they've learned something and that they're valued for what they've learned. But the, the meaning is, is, is a very, very big, big one. If you um, are uh, not feeling that like your life is meaningful, that's when people commit suicide, you know, yeah. there's no meaning in their lives. And we get our meaning met in a number of ways. Um, we get that, for, for, for example, by serving other people. You know, yeah. if you serve people, whether it's your family, your colleagues, your business, uh, the community, uh, whatever, in whatever way, if you're serving other people, that is intrinsically meaningful. So you've got a reason to get up in the morning. 
Yeah. So that's that's a very important a source of meaning for, for for people. Another source of meaning is learning, learning new skills, um, learning new languages, learning just learning basically, learning a craft or an art or learning how to play a musical instrument. All those things are intrinsically meaningful to people. And also another source of meaning is feeling you're connected to something larger than yourself. Mm. Um, and this is a very big one. I mean, one of the reasons for the collapse of Western civilization at the moment is the, the, the way um, religion doesn't have, I, I, I mean, in a, in a big sense, religion has uh, lost its way and consequently people don't have any uh, anchors in, in the world that they, you know, where, where they can draw values from, for example, in any more, right. nearly so much. Um, and, and the more fanatical religions become, it doesn't matter what religion, any religion, the more detached people are from reality. Um, and so, you, you know, you mustn't become um, obsessive about, about your, your beliefs. But I mean, human beings really need to feel that there is something beyond themselves, beyond the day-to-day -day lives, which used to be... Um, inbuilt in societies by religion and religious teachings. And I but, think there's something, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I no, think no, there's something ahead. so important in what you're saying there, Ivan, particularly for example, our veteran community, uh, and not just in the US, but in, in Great Britain and really any, any community where warriors serve and you know they, 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 they have a level of competence or relevance. Um, they, they, they certainly have purpose in their lives. And then all of a sudden that is ripped away. You know, when you yeah. leave the military, you go from being this this individual who plays at the highest level and who is it's all about the group, not the individual. It's about that higher purpose. Every mission statement you get ends with purpose. <laughs> and yeah. and all of a sudden now, you know, you're stocking the shelves at a grocery store. Um, it's as if you've been wrenched out of your family, isn't it? And, and it uh, is. And, and that's exactly what it's like. Um, yeah. I mean, we 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 finance the setting up of PTSD resolution in in the UK, which helps um, people in that position, really traumatized yeah. soldiers, sailors, airmen, and so on, and um, and helps them to put a life together again and help them understand yeah. these things. But but I I think there is now, as I look at the the world around us today, you know, I, I see a lot of that in. The civilian world. I don't think it is now the domain of just warriors. I think that in the world today, particularly uh, on, uh, two years almost into this pandemic, I see, I see people devoid of meaning. I, I see people who, like you say, they are not attached to something bigger than themselves. Their 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 left hemisphere is completely driving them to obtain and control and to have. And there's yeah. no sense of the natural world or some some bigger game. You know, yeah. that 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 for years has driven us and and there's no sense of relevance in the yeah. world. And, and you know, I, I worry about that um, as as we try to make our way through these very challenging times, tough enough as it is. But with those things absent, I mean, it, it really it's it's kind of scary. It is. It is. There's a kind of free floating anxiety in society now that just wasn't here five years ago. Yeah. Um, there's so many yeah. things, uh, so much propaganda, you know, there's climate catastrophe being taught in schools and all this kind of stuff and you've got um, covid catastrophizing 
constant harping on about the death rates and so on, even though they're not that high um, in terms of the vast numbers of the population, but all the time there's stuff now making people uneasy. I mean, uh, this, this very week we've got um, a, a, some stupid politician said there's no need to panic about fuel, <laughs> fuel won't run out. So, of course, all, all the petrol stations in this country have got long, long queues and we've run out of fuel. So, wow. <laughs> I mean, so let, me, let me let me ask you that then, because I want to build on what you're talking about. Um, when, when, when you and I attended a, or you you hosted a conference uh, a few months back that that I was invited to attend with uh, a range of, of of leaders. And, and it was the context is everything. That's and right. it was really built around the, the amazing book, The Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist. Um, and, and you were one of the co-hosts of it. But, but in that, con you know, at the end, which was amazing, by the way, I loved it. There was so much there, so much that I took away. There was something, though, that you said at the end, Ivan. And I, and I wonder if we could dive into this just a little bit. Um, you spoke of, and, I, and I've got it written down, so I want to get it exactly right. But you spoke of almost a, a type of madness um, that if we're not careful, can settle upon us during periods of isolation. And, and you indicated that governments and corporations, you know, how they respond to this pandemic uh, could potentially affect us negatively for, you know, from, from isolation for years to come. Can you talk a little bit about that just at whatever level you'd like to uh, within the human givens and, and what it means to the person on the street? Yeah. Well, if you just go back to the innate needs and, and ask yourself, well, what needs are not being met by lockdowns, for example? And there's, I, I, you've had lockdowns more in some parts of America than others. And the people that seem to be surviving the best are the ones where the lockdowns were minimal. Um, and But over here in the UK, we've had several lockdowns that have been, you know, £10,000 fines if, if you if you break the rules and uh, and uh, all that sort of thing i mean really severe and um what that means is people feel insecure and yet you know it's a need to feel secure but if every time you, you you're told that if you go outside you're immediately at risk of dying of this awful respiratory disease which of course you're not but you, that's that's the impression that was given that's really undermining that um innate need if you feel um you can't do things that you normally would do because the law now says you've got to wear a mask you mustn't go out you or if you go out you've only got can only go for an hour and you mustn't go more than half a mile from your home all those kind of rules that came in that's really undermining our need to feel we're in control of our lives um we don't feel we've got any status because it doesn't matter who you are or what you are you're supposed to obey these rules and regulations exchange attention except through this digital media like you and I are doing now um, it, not the normal sort of everyday chat um, to, with neighbours and so on was stopped um, so the, and, and of course that, that means you don't have an emotional connection to other people in the way that you did before you're just cramped in, in your house with your family if you're lucky and you've got people in the van so you need to feel connected to the community, but you no longer feel connected to the community. So we need a certain amount of privacy, but if you're crammed into your house and you're, and there's just, say, four of you in a house all the time and you can't go out, 
and you can't mix with other people, with friends and all the rest of it, or work colleagues, that's a real problem because that, that needs not being met. So um, it's very hard to develop new competencies if you're just stuck, uh, you know, the, the, the most people could do is learn a new computer game or a new computer program or something. You're not really right. um, expanding your horizons. And so life becomes more and more meaningless. You feel, and people do, you know, pe people feel more and more anxious. Ang anxiety is a very strong emotion. And when we get emotional, we can't think straight. We become, the more emotional we are, the more stupid we become. So yeah. all these things mount up to threats, don't they? I mean, they're, they're threats to our sanity. And the, the rates of um, depression and anxiety disorders, OCD and all, all the others have really shot up. And it's not surprising to me at all that that's happened. Right. But you see, you, you need, you need um, to learn new things and develop as a human being. You need to develop, you only learn something when you're self-conscious. Um, you're self-conscious um, when you're not doing things automatically. Um, you know, you, you, you're, we, we talk about object consciousness and subjective consciousness, self-consciousness. So self-consciousness is what happens. Like if you're walking up, up your stairs and you trip, you're suddenly very conscious because you don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to fall down and break your leg or whatever? So suddenly you're in a state of heightened consciousness and you would know this in the battlefield. Um, if something's going wrong, you're highly conscious. You, it's the same as what happens if you suddenly realize you're going to crash in or a lorry is going to crash into you on the motorway, something like that. You're highly, highly conscious and your brain's working overtime to try and work out how to survive and, um, and, and, and trying to learn what to do in the moment is trying to learn what to do. So that's self-consciousness and all learning involves self-consciousness. But when we're just, you know, going along in the same old way and we just uh, recognize what we need to do without thinking all the time, that we call that object consciousness. Um, and it's, a, it, it's, it's different. You know, because yeah. it's just automatic. You're on auto. You're on auto all the time. And but it seems dangerous to me. It seems extremely yeah. dangerous that that when you because because I mean, uh, Ian talks about it in uh, in the Mastering's emissary about this represented world that we're constantly yeah. fed. You know that that gives us that autopilot. And I and I I would like you to, if you don't mind, can you speak to? And I'll, and I'll set this up a little bit, but when you were talking, so you're talking about the the levels of isolation and how that's played out in the denial of our human givens. Uh, and I think that's critical for leaders to think about. But like, for example, over here, Ivan, in the United States, you know, when the election took place, you had a tremendous amount of violence. You're seeing violence, episodic violence all over the United States right now. People are unfriending each other on, on social media who have been, you know, friends for years. I've seen, you know, school teachers that taught together that have unfriended each other over mask or no mask or Trump or Biden. And it's almost as if, people because I remember in combat when you would when you would go into battle there's almost like a trance that comes over you as you get into flow and you do what you have to do uh, in that very caustic corrosive environment to survive um, and 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 when I read your book and you talked about trance-like state and you talked about how anger and other high degrees of emotional arousal make you stupid, I just thought, man, that is exactly what's happening in our world today. Can you can you talk a little bit about that and and help us understand why these these levels of just heightened emotion 
um, are are not very helpful for us. No, they're certainly not, Scott. Uh, and it's, it's very worrying that the world is becoming more polarized. You know, it's it's all more black and white, left brain thinking all the time. In, yeah. in all these fields, you know, wear a mask or don't wear a mask. I mean, that's yes or no, black or white, isn't it? And uh, you know, we shouldn't be behaving like that because there is always exceptions, there are always circumstances, and, and there's always a bigger context. Um, so, I mean, some people really are frightened when they wear a mask. It makes them feel afraid, but other people feel comforted by wearing them. So we should, we, we need to explore those kinds of issues. But I, I, I was talking with somebody the other day and it suddenly occurred to me that um, the world we're creating, this digital world that we're working and living in most a lot of the time, uh, where we're not connected to reality, we're just connected to a representation of reality, as McGilchrist talks about, um, the, uh, is, is digital. It is, you know, it's um, by, what is the word? By, not bipolar, what's the word for it? I'm not sure. I know. <laughs> there is a word for it, but it's basically um, on or off, on or off, on or off. And that's right. how computers work. Um, as, so that kind of way of looking at things, uh, it seems to spread throughout our psychology and our group behavior. So we, we've got a, a real problem, I think, um, where... Um, the, the, the kind of digital world has affected our brains. Yeah, and can you speak to the, you know, the the the, the trance-like state that seems to emanate from you know normal life nowadays? It's it's yeah. that you know. Can can you help us understand? I guess maybe first is why do we go into these trance-like states? What what is really happening there with us? And then and then how is that manifesting in this current context? Okay. A trance is a focused state of attention. That's what it is. Um, and a real, so to really learn something new and get absorbed in something, you go into a trance, you go into a reading trance or a studying trance. Um, or if you're a painter, you go into a painting trance or whatever it or is. Or a storytelling trance. Or a storytelling story trance. And they're focused states of attention. Um, uh, so that focused state of attention if you're focused on something, part of your brain, your right hemisphere, um, is seeing implicit meanings in, in what you're focusing on uh, and seeing a bigger picture. And it's a metaphorical world that you're, you're in. Um, so by being in a trance, the big problem with trances is that when you're in one, you're highly manipulable. So people can come along and put ideas into your head belief systems into your head, um, behavior responses into your head. And that's what happens. I mean, advertisers have known this for 100, 100 more years. You know, you can, you can just, if you can induce that sense of want in people by putting them into some kind of trance um, uh, so that they want something, they'll go and buy it. They're much more likely to buy it. And they will listen to the instructions in the commercials, you know, uh, the, and and it's basically because the, the the noise of the commercials and the color and the the sound and everything is actually focusing their attention and they don't realize that actually that's given access to their right hemisphere which can be indoctrinated as it were yeah 
And and then and then to go a step further, I love your line, and you and you say it often: "Is anger makes us stupid." Talk about that. Well, in a sense, any emotional arousal can make us stupid. Sure. But we need sure. we need emotions. I'm not saying we don't need emotions at all. Of course, we need emotions. They're they're kind of like fuel. You know, yeah. curiosity is an emotion, a wonderful emotion, for example, um, to be passionately interested in finding uh, the truth of something. Is, is an emotional thing, but you can be you can fall in love with somebody, for example, um, and, but you don't recognise them because you're so entranced by this person. You don't recognise that they're actually a psychopath, and the long-term uh, situation is not going to be good for you because your ability to read a person has been blocked by the strong emotion, so you become more stupid. Um, greed is another strong emotion, and that makes people very stupid. That's why people are so easily conned out of money. Uh, it's usually through greed, um, people being appealing to their greed. Um, it can also be scammers uh, appealing to people's need to feel secure by saying, you know, if you give me all your money, and I will make sure that your money doesn't get stolen or something, you know. And right. people do give money to scammers. But is it is it accurate to say, Ivan, that 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 focused state, that those altering focused states that we're in, um, that when we we hit those highly emotional aroused levels, that those focused states can work at a disadvantage if we allow them to, and and if we're not if we're not in some way regulating our state and and yeah. practicing some level of awareness. Yeah, that's <clears throat> so true. I mean, like everything, there's. Um, two sides to, to these things. There's advantages, which human beings, have, by being able to go into focused states, they can solve problems, they can in, have inventions, they can see a way around a situation that they couldn't do in any other way. Right. But um, the negative sides are that if you are in a, in a profound trance, you won't see the truck coming um, <laughs> and hitting right. you. Right. Um I, I want to read something that you wrote, um, and I just I think it's one of the most wonderful passages, and I want to read it to our audience. Um, I use it a lot, um, and, and and when I cite you, um, and then I'd like you to just comment on it. And it's really it's 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 cited as the Human Givens Institute, but it is the wonderful boon of imagination we were given thirty five thousand years ago, as well as what is great in our culture has also created an environment that seems out of control. We have the means in our culture to mag we have the means uh, sorry, we have the means to magnify our own greed and have made a world that whirls around us so fast in such disturbing ways that we no longer trust our culture to reliably provide the psychological nourishment, for us to develop fully as human beings. I just think that's an amazing characterization of the world we live in now, and I'd like your comment on that. Well, when I wrote that, I knew exactly what I was talking about, and, and now I've just seen, um, uh, over the last few years since I wrote that, uh, I've seen that happening more and more. You know, the, yeah. the, the speed with which, you see, if, 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 if you're watching television now, uh, and, and and can remember what television was like, say, 30 years ago, dramas or whatever. Now it's all very fast cuts. Uh, 
and shouting and then switching from one scene to another very, very quickly. What that does, every time that happens, it fires off something in the brain called the orientation response. Now, when the orientation response is fired, um, your short-term memory is switched off. So, um, mm. which means you can't remember things. I mean, it even happens in, if you've been lectured, I know you've, you lectured, for example, if suddenly you're in the middle of flow of telling a story and someone bangs and comes into the, 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 the conference things, makes a lot of noise, you know, the door bangs or whatever, and, and you say, um, oh, you know, welcome, sorry. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And you say, oh, that's all right. You can't then remember where you were. You have, you have to think, now, where was I? Because right. your short-term memory and the, the flow that you were in has been disturbed or it was shut off temporarily. Now, that makes learning very difficult. And yet, on our media, you know, the social media and, and drama and so on, that is happening to such an extent it's broken our ability to reflect on what people are saying and what we're seeing. And, uh, and without that reflection, we, we don't grow our intelligence and our uh, appreciation of a bigger context. So the, the constant chopping up of uh, experience like that is hugely, hugely damaging. Yeah. You know, yeah. We really need to slow down. And uh, otherwise I fear for the future survival of mankind you know and it's all aided by this digital um binary binary is the word i was looking for binary that's it yeah yeah great job so let me let me let me offer something i want to get your opinion on something and and it it speaks to what you're talking about and i and i'm kind of bringing my body of work into this um around status and contract society but as i've read your work and thinking about your characterization of the brain as a metaphorical pattern matching organ, right? That's striving to make sense yeah. of the world through metaphor. And so, it, you know, I often use the iceberg behind me to describe um, the dilemma that we're in and the opportunities that present themselves with human nature. And so if the tip of that iceberg behind me is the modern world, and, and I talked with John about this on my, on my, uh, when he was on my podcast, but it, but, but the tip of the, if the tip of the iceberg is the modern which stat, uh, contract society, which is, you know, the mass, te- mass technology and, and rat race that McGilchrist talks about. And then below the waterline is, you know, 80% of our, of our human nature, which is that primal status creature that really has been around for 250,000 years and, and frankly hasn't changed that much. And that status society, that tribal society that we all come from, you know, it has a light and a darkness to it. it. You know, there is there's hospitality, there's storytelling, there's long form communications, but there's also a dark side to tribalism, which is vengeance and scarcity and feud. You know, that is a very ugly side, right? To, and but but my concern, Ivan, is that as we are, I'm, I'm speaking to this 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 future of our of, of our species. Uh, if you look around the you know the West today, for example. Um, you see what I call uh, evidence of shadow tribalism because our hubris has prevented us from actually staying connected to our nature, to those human givens that you talk about. The, you know, the universe's revenge is that this form of shadow tribalism descends on us and, and that, that left hemisphere domination of having and controlling. We're demonstrating all of these negative tribal behaviors that are horrific 
but they're not balanced out by any of that right hemisphere relational aspects with the world and and the things that we need and and it's it's a very very scary thing this shadow tribalism because we're asleep at the switch we're in that trance like state demonstrating it yet we're not even aware of it yeah well i think you put that very well scott that's that's exactly what's happened and uh it's not getting any better anytime soon because uh, our education system is being destroyed um, by all this factionalism and um, wokeism, the term I'm sure you have over in, I think it came from America, this whole thing about right. being woke and everything. That's gone into the education system and effectively uh, contributed massively to its uh, inability to talk about implicit things, the subtleties um in 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 the arts and and the politics and science and so on everything's being undermined like that and and, and it's hugely worrying it's hugely worrying me anyway because i've you know i've got grandchildren and i don't like to think of the world they're growing up in no me either i have three boys and and uh you know i've uh, i i worry about what they're going to inherit particularly you know another aspect of that shadow tribalism is in-group out-group behavior yeah. Uh, that is actively competing for resources and, and status, which, you know, we all do as humans. But when it's untended, when it's not ma managed by responsible leadership and, and those other aspects of the human givens that you talk about, I mean, where does that end? Well, that's the problem. What we need is we need wise leadership. And there, there isn't much of that about, certainly not in politics and um, very little in politics. And also in the corporate world, there's not a lot of wisdom. No. Um, and real wisdom thinks about the bigger context all the time, not only for the company that you're working for or the organization you're working for, but for each individual in it. And what wow. is, you know, what are they going through at the moment? You know, you, you need to be aware of that, not just treat them uh, like a, a cog in a wheel, you know, a, a number or something. You actually need to respect uh, the, the um the divine core inside all of us, really, you know, and, and if that's not respected uh, uh, by our organizations, sooner or later, everything's going to go wrong. I mean, some people will not think that because they'll have made so much money out of it, but their reputation and, and the, the people they've harmed getting all that money, um, it, it's, it's almost evil, you know, how, how that operates. <laughs> Do you think, Ivan, to that degree that, the, you know, what they're calling the great resignation today where, you know, up to 50% of people are leaving their jobs and, and, or the talent tsunami, do you think there's a connection to that? I think a lot of people, because of the lockdowns and, and what's uh, the, the um, COVID reaction to COVID by organizations and government and health services and so on, I think they, they have had some time alone. They've had a bit of privacy and they thought well actually i hate my job i really prefer being at home and yeah. going walking every day and so on rather than commuting to a horrible office and doing this largely meaningless work and an awful lot of work is meaningless you know i mean it gets bread on the table and pays the mortgage perhaps but that's about all it does and shouldn't life consist of more than that you know yeah. when we come into the world we we're we're not like that you know we're really curious we want to connect up to the wider world and we want to find out things and that's what babies and children do and but all that curiosity and that love of life just seems to be taken away by the way we 
generate work. I mean, well, I think bureaucracy is the antithesis of curiosity and discovery, is it not? Absolutely, I loathe bureaucracy. I'm really, I I find (laughs) me too. Yeah, I mean, we all do. We it, it 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 takes away the energy out of anything. The inspiration is deadening, and I really really find that you know you need a little bit of organization you need a little bit of bureaucracy but it's like a cancer and once you once you have a bit of bureaucracy everybody wants to have their own department they want more people in the whole and and to get that they make more and more rules and regulations and make everybody uh, or try and make everybody obey them so yeah you're right you're right terrible thing as we as we start to wrap up here, I just have a couple more questions for you, Ivan. And, and one of them is, you know, I, I we talk a lot about what's what's wrong in the world, and we talk a lot about what's you know what's heading our way if we don't pay attention to it, and that's super important. But I also I just have a lot of respect for you as a leader, as someone who thinks deeply about um, just from a common sense perspective and a, and a right hemisphere perspective of, of what really matters in the world and what people need from their leaders. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just talking for a few minutes about, you know, there's a lot of people watching this who are trying to lead their families, they're trying to lead their communities, they're trying to lead their small businesses. And they just, you know, they're, 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 I love the fact that you brought up wisdom is what do, what do our people need from leaders today in these challenging times? Um, They need their leaders to have a certain degree you see, you, you can't have wisdom without a, a strong foundation of common sense. And when you see, that's, you know, that's how wisdom, it grows out of common sense. So um, if there is things happening which are just against common sense, you know that the people making that happen, uh, it doesn't matter how, well, how big their salary is and how big their car is, but the, the, uh, the wisdom isn't there because there's no common sense. You know, if, if you're if you're producing masses of rules and regulations and programs of one sort or another, uh, advertising programs or whatever you're doing, um, manufacturing programs, but the common sense isn't there, um, you want to run away from people like that. You don't you, you don't want to. You know, they're dangerous. That's that, right. They are. They, yeah, they are dangerous. They're dangerous to other people's psychological well-being. But some of them are actually dangerous to the whole of society. Hundred percent um, agree. So that's a real uh, that's a real problem. So, and I think the only um, thing I can think of, and I've always said this, but I don't know that it's people listen, is you actually need better quality education. You know, people need to understand how our brains work. They need to know that we have these two ways of looking at the world. One, uh, the implicit metaphorical way, which is the master should be. And then we've got the left hemisphere way, um, which is very rigid and binary and uh, grabbing and, and, and not, not healthy at all when it's in charge. It should yeah. be the servant of the other side of the brain with the side that, where wisdom grows. It doesn't grow in the left hemisphere. You've never seen a wise computer geek, have you? you they just can't be <laughs> because they're so binary. You know, it, it, uh, wise people are, are, are the oddballs, really. Yeah, they are. They are. 
You're right. Yeah. And there's so, and people are so hungry for it. You know, people are hungry for that common sense and, and a sense of relationship with the natural world. Um, you know, and I think that Ivan, as we go through these trying times that we're in right now, you know, I don't know if you were able to see this from, from the UK, but you know, there was a movement here in the United States where a group of veterans, including myself, got very involved with the Afghanistan issue. And we stepped in, you know, where the government did not have the political will to do the right thing and, and, and honor a promise to our Afghan allies. You know, we stepped in and tried to find a way to do it ourselves. And I really think people are, you know, I think there are a range of people out there right now who see what's happening and they don't like what they see. You know, they don't like where things are going. They, they know something's wrong, but they're not sure how to p- put a language to it. And what I love about what you've done and I think you should be very proud of, and I don't think people tell you this enough, is that you've given a grammar to something that a lot of leaders like myself have seen for many years, and we didn't know how to explain it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just want to tell you that I'm really, really grateful that you've done that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been trying to do, certainly. Um, make it possible to talk about these things. Uh, and I think we need to. I think we have to talk about this at a grassroots level uh, or we are heading in a, I think we're heading in a dangerous direction. We are. We, are, we certainly are. I mean, we, we, we eschew psychobabble, for example. We don't, we don't want psychobabble. We don't want political slogans and ideologies. Um, we, we just need straightforward talking and common sense views about human behavior. And, and you, you can't really grasp that or get that unless you yourself uh, fairly well together as a person, you, you know, because you're, you'll get too emotional and then you won't be able to think straight yourself. So absolutely to encouraging the universities and the schools. Yeah. And that's why I love what you've done with the Institute. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, rooftop leadership is, is right there at your shoulder on that. Um, with the remaining moments we have, I want to ask you in our previous conversation, um, you and I were spoken about the, we spoke about the importance of uh, post hypnotic learning. Um, and, and what it takes for humans to learn. Uh, you've talked a little bit about it today, um, but I think it's important for us to consider, you talked about the education system and how important it is, um, but as, as we look at ways to change our behavior uh, in these challenging times, what does it take to learn? Um, you know, and, and what should we be thinking about that? Well, if, if you, one thing, that, that Post-hypnotic learning, I mean, all learning, when you know something and you can do it without thinking, like driving a car or writing or whatever you can do, typing, uh, chopping wood, when you can just do it without having to think about it, it's because you went through a a stage where you're in a trance and you were learning to do it, where you were super aware, as it were, you're self-consciously aware that I'm learning something new, I don't know how to do this, but I want to do it. And that's a trance state that you're in. So once you're doing things automatically, that's all post-hypnotic. People don't think of it like that. But, you know, if you actually Mm. look at what's happening, it's a post-hypnotic state that you're in. When you're driving a car without having to think about it, it's a post-hypnotic experience. And um, so that's uh, all all we're saying. I've got a workshop on that very topic um, coming out any day now um, online that uh, we filmed a little while back. And um, this, this kind of understanding of how the brain works, how we learn, how we can improve uh, the way we live and, and, and so on, how we can be more understanding of other people 
is what's really needed. And it's knowledge, it's, it's, um, it's not ideology, it's not just information, it's a kind of a, a gestalt, a total picture of what a human being mm. is and, 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 and where a human being can go, you know, how, how they can make more of themselves. I love that. And, and I can tell you, I'll be at it and uh, my team will be attending it uh, any way that we can. And uh, I, I have to say, Ivan, you know, our goal at Rooftop is to inspire 10 million rooftop leaders in 10 years to make better human connections wow, uh, and, and to lead from their communities. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so excited uh, to be to just to know you and to, 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 to be involved in, 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 in learning about your body of work and the Institute and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you get asked to do a ton of these interviews, but I can tell you that we're going to honor it here. Um, it is going to be foundational in in uh, in how we uh, operate, and uh, it's just a real honor to have you on and for you to take the time and talk with our listeners and me. Anything that we didn't cover around um, leadership, connection, the human givens that you would like to leave our, our viewers and listeners with that we didn't talk about? Um, well, I... I there's so much more that can be said about all these topics. Um, I think we should do another conversation in a few months' time or whenever. And, you know, I just want to wish you the very, very best for all your efforts that you're doing. And particularly when it comes to, I, I've got Afghan friends. So, you know, I know what uh, terrible state that country has been left in by left-brained politicians going into... Afghanistan and, and, and wrecking it basically because it wasn't doing too badly before. Uh, you can see films on YouTube of what it was yeah. like 30, 40 years ago and it was very quiet, civilized and it's a beautiful, beautiful country and it's produced some of the greatest poets and thinkers in the world. Yeah, I, I wrote a book on it called uh, called Game Changers um, yeah. And uh, I'll make sure you, I think I got you a copy, but if not, I'll send you one. But the, it's what you just said. Uh, it, it's about the, the civil society, the informal civil society that made Afghanistan what it was. And we didn't even try to understand it. Our politicians didn't try to understand it. Our generals didn't try to understand it. Um, and the local context, the, the, the subtitle of my book is Going Local to Defeat Violent Extremists because context, as you say, is everything. Yeah, certainly is. Gosh. Well, yeah. very best of luck then, Scott. And it's been thank you. talking to you. Um, yeah, thank you, Ivan. It's been a real honor, and, and thanks for what you do. And I would love to have you back on. If there's anyone from the Institute that you'd love to connect us with, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd be honored to have them on as well. But definitely going to take you up on the honor to have you back in or the offer to come back in in a couple of months and go deeper. Okay, we'll do. Thanks, thanks everybody, for watching. Uh, really appreciate you dialing into this episode of Rooftop Podcast. Please share with your friends. And remember that uh, fear is contagious but so is leadership. We'll see you on the rooftop.